0: The scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Today we look at a man who wrote no prophecies, sang no songs, or gave any laws, yet he became the father of a nation and was known as the friend of God. You're listening to Preach the Word with Dean Carmichael Jr. Welcome to Preach the Word with Brother Dean Carmichael of Greensboro, and now let's welcome our dear friend, Brother Dean. All right, friends, we are now beginning the second division of the Book of Genesis. In fact, chronologically, we're halfway through the Bible. The Bible covers a period of roughly four thousand years. Genesis alone covers a period of 2,315 years, according to Usher. Uh, Genesis 1 through 11 covers roughly 2,090 of those years. So after we covered the four great events, we will now get into the four great people in this book of Genesis. So far, we've covered a lot of ground. The world and all its creatures were created. The world was cursed with sin, it was populated, destroyed with the flood, it was populated again, and then divided through the confusion of languages. After the fall of man, uh, we, when we go back to Genesis chapter 4, we see that you could divide mankind into two main groups. The children of God, which was the line of Adam through Seth and the children of men, which was Cain. And eventually these two lines would mix and the entire world would be so wicked that the Bible tells us that God repented that he even created man. So he destroys man with a flood. And thankfully we have the word that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. He and his family survived in the ark and God used Noah, his three sons, to repopulate the earth. And something to keep in mind here. During these events, God spoke to mankind as a whole. And when we look at Noah's three sons, if if you want to go back and listen to another sermon, which is called Red and Yellow, Black and White, a couple sermons ago in this series, we really dive into the, the line of Noah, his three sons, and how they repopulated the earth. Ham, uh, Noah's youngest son; his descendants inhabited Egypt and Africa. Japheth, which means increase and expansion, that's Noah's middle son. His descendants go northwest and populate the European continent. Shem, which means renown, Bible says in Genesis nine twenty six, and he said, "Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant." He was a distinguished man. He we read later that. The men of Babel sought to make themselves a name, and Shem's descendants would form the nation of Israel, and the genealogy of Jesus Christ passes through Shem. All of this starts with one man, and that man was Abraham. Up to this point, God's spoken to mankind as a whole. They're all Gentiles, but now he is going to create a nation and give his word through these people. I'm going to read here from Leon J. Wood on his commentary of Genesis, and I'm going to quote, he says, the second division of Genesis now begins. Until this point, the book has told of mankind in general and not of a particular people, especially chosen by God through whom to work in the world. Now it tells of such a people. Mankind generally had refused to follow God and therefore God would now confine his word to one people, a people who would develop from the progeny of the man Abraham. These people would not be an end in themselves, however, but a means by which God's redeeming provision through Christ could be brought to completion, that the benefits might be taken back to all mankind again. You see here, God promised Adam and Eve that he would send a redeemer to the seed of the woman, the human race. Now we are being introduced to the one family that will be used as the chosen channel of this divine purpose. We read earlier in the introduction there in James chapter number two, verse number 23, and the Bible refers to Abraham as the friend of God. Now, Abram means the father of a multitude. The original name is the son of Terah was Abram, meaning father of height. Abraham, the father of a multitude, was given to him when he was promised a numerous progeny renewed to him by God. Isaiah 41 verse 8 says, but thou Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. Abraham, one of the four important people of the book of Genesis. You have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. In these four people, you have a type of redemption, and Abraham here is a type of God's sovereign election. Sovereign predestination is illustrated here in this man, Abraham. The word predestination is God planning man's salvation Before the creation of the world. This does not mean God picks and chooses who is going to be saved. It is his will that all come to repentance, that all come to his terms of salvation. So far in our study, going through the book of Genesis, we have already seen this with Cain and Abel. After Cain rejected God's way, by grace through faith, The the shedding of the innocent blood there. When Cain tried to bring his, his best to God, which I believe it really was his best, but it wasn't enough because he did not come God's way. But when he rejected God's way and tried to come his own way, which is religion, God went back to Cain and tried to reason with him. He went looking for Cain, just like he he went looking for his, his mother and father. Adam and Eve, after they sinned, they hid themselves because they were naked. They tried covering themselves. And the Bible tells us that God cried out to Adam, where art thou? And Adam said that he hid himself because he was naked. And God asked him, who told you that you were naked? But you notice something. God went looking for Adam. The first mention in the Bible of an individual who rejected God, flat out rejected God's term of salvation and tried getting to God through his works, the first mention of that is through the story of Cain. And friend, God goes back to Cain and he tries reasoning with him. God tries talking to Cain to get him to come his way, which is the only way, and we all know how the story ends up. Cain continues to reject God. He kills his brother. Then he goes and builds his own civilization and tries to prosper in a, in a fallen, cursed world. I'm glad I serve a loving and gracious God, a God of second chances, a God that would go back and try to reason with Cain, a God that went looking for Adam. Predestination is God's planning man's salvation before the creation of the world. There was already a way. If Cain woulda went the way that Abel did, he'd be in heaven right now in the presence of the Lord. Bible says in James two twenty three, and the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Can you say that? I know I can. One day I, I put my trust and I believed in God with all my heart and I went his way. There is a big difference between easy believism and the simplicity of salvation. There's a big difference between those two. Easy believism is where you have individuals who pretty much repeat a prayer and they don't sincerely come to the Lord they're not repenting. They're not turning. They're not realizing, hey, I'm lost. I need Christ in putting their faith. They're just simply still living in sin. Don't want to turn from those sins. They're just going to recite something and then be done. That's easy believism. That's just a lot of individuals trying to get numbers and statistics and, hey, do you believe in God? Okay, say this prayer. All right, I'm going to put you down that you're one of the people that in our soul went in campaign that we got saved. Friends, that is not Bible, okay? Uh, But there is a simplicity of salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We understand that we're lost. That word repentance, that's a change of mind. You're turning from sin and you're turning to God. If you look at your hand right now, you, you look at the palm of your hand, rotate your hand to where you're now looking at the backside of your hand. That is a complete turnaround. Now you cannot see the palm of your hand. You're only looking at the backside of your hand. You've completely turned. You've turned away from sin. Jesus Christ is now the Lord of your life. You accept him as your Lord and personal Savior. All your trust, all your faith is in his work on the cross and that he saved you um, from hell. That's what salvation is. I believe in the simplicity of salvation. Uh, There is a big difference between the simplicity of salvation and um, easy believism. And I believe today we really try to complicate this issue of salvation. And by saying uh, when we get into this subject of election and predestination and stating that God has elected some people to go to heaven and others to go to hell, that's not the Bible. Uh, it, it really isn't. Uh, predestination is God planning man's salvation before the creation of the world, and all throughout the Bible. Compare Scripture with Scripture. It is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that all should come in a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Can you say in James two twenty three what Abraham did? Can you can you say that's what you've done also? Can you say that you have believed God? and that you've put your trust and your faith in him, and now Abraham, the Bible says, he was called the friend of God. I'm glad that I put my trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Just like Adam, just like Abraham, I had faith in God's terms of salvation, and I was declared righteous. What, what happened to Adam when, when God gave Adam and Eve the first prophecy in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15? What happened to Adam after he, he called the woman Eve? Bible tells us that God covered him. God clothed Adam and Eve when they put their trust and faith in him. He called his wife Eve, the mother of all living, because he was putting faith that God would one day send a redeemer. And that's exactly what happened there. He was covered. That's what happens when we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. We are covered with his blood. We've been declared righteous Uh, through his finished work on the cross. This man, Abraham, and we're going to start referring to him as Abram until we get to chapter number 17 when God changes his name. But this man here, um, Abram, was from Ur of the Chaldees, and the Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, and Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Necor, and all the other, and they served other gods. Scholars have proven that there was idol worship going on in Ur. Ur was dominated by a giant three-stage ziggurat reaching some 70 feet. Um, There were shrines of the city's god, and God called Abraham out of that. He called Abraham out of that that sin uh, to the land of, uh, to a better land, a land of promise. From Abraham's call to his death, this covers a period of about 100 years. He lived to be 175 years old. He was God's chosen vessel for the divine purpose of redemption. Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, would come the line of abraham now let's let's uh let's look at the life of of abraham start out as abram and we're going to start out talking about abraham's calling in genesis chapter number 12 through 14 abraham's calling i'm reading now genesis 12 verse 1 through 3 now the lord had said unto abram get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and I will make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. When you look here at the life of of this man Abram we see when God calls him out Of his his present land. There's one word that can summarize what Abram's about to do, and that is the word trust. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In Genesis chapter number 12, we are going to see both sides of that coin. We're going to see the first part of that verse, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And then we're going to see the last part of that verse, and lean not into that own understanding. During Abraham's calling, not only is there trust, but there's also tribulation. There's also trials. There's also Abram backsliding and leaning into his own understanding. But before we get there, let's focus on the trust. Here is a man who leaves the seen for the unseen. Here's a man who is leaving Ur of the Chaldees, a very prosperous place. He's leaving what he can see for a place that he doesn't know exactly where it's going to be. He's getting called out of idolatry worship to now put his trust and faith in the true God, a God whom he cannot see, and yet follow him and put his faith in him and leave all of this other stuff behind. He didn't know exactly where he was going, but he knew the promise God gave him when he got there. God calls Abram, and he responds by leaving it all behind. Ur was a very prosperous city, a city of wealth, luxury. Canaan at that time was a barbarous land, land of heathens. He steps out on faith, putting his trust in the Lord. Let's read on here in Genesis chapter number 12 and we left off in verse number 3. Let's let's read on here in verse number 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarah, Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. To the land of Canaan they came, and Abram passed to the land unto the place of Sichem, unto the place of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram, and said unto thy seed, "Will I give this land?" And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Notice something here. When you look in verse 7, God appears to Abram the second time. In order for God to appear to Abram another time, he needed to respond and obey. Remember this. God tells Abram in verse 7, unto thy seed will I give this this land. Here's a man who acted on faith. He continued to put his trust in God. He patiently waited for the Lord by continuing to move in the direction God had called him. Remember that part of that verse, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. He left it all behind and followed after God's will. And before God would speak to him again, when God calls him in chapter number 12, in verse number one. Through 3. Before he speaks to him in verse 7, Abram had to obey God. Abram had to act on faith. He had to respond to the call of God. He had to be obedient and obey the voice of God. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. When he got to the land there, the full of just the, the barbaric heathen Canaanite. He probably looked around. His own understanding was probably not the best, but he trusted in God. He heard the voice of God, and he pitched his tent, and he built an altar. Hebrews 11 verse 8 says, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. 400 mile journey. Not even knowing the exact destination, but he still went. Friend, do you trust in God? I mean, do you really trust in God? That that word trust that comes from the Hebrew word, which means to have confidence, to be confident, to be bold, to be secure. There are many Christians today who say they trust God. They'll even sign Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 with their name, and they'll put it as their life first. Yet, they base their decisions on statistics. They base their decisions on finances, the stock market, the housing market, on professional opinions. Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The Lord Jesus said that. And boy, you can sure tell after talking to some individuals who they really put their trust in, that they make their decisions based upon their flesh? What are others doing? And to say something else too, a person who truly trusts in God can be very misunderstood, not only within the world, but also even by other Christians, even within the church. You know, what? why do you continue to work where you work? Why Why don't you go here? Why don't you go there? Why? You, you're a preacher. Why don't you have a church? Why haven't you gone to the mission field yet? Why aren't you an evangelist yet? Can we we remind ourselves that that the Lord Jesus spent time in the desert before he made his ministry public? Can we remind ourselves that Paul, before his first missionary journey, there was a period of about 14 years? Can we remind ourselves that when Paul told Timothy to let uh, no man despise thy youth, that we believe Timothy to be maybe in his early 30s? Hey, friend, God does not work on our time. And when we trust in a system and we put our eyes on other people, we say, okay, well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm a preacher. I'm gonna, I just answered the call to preach, so I'm going to go to school. And then when I get out of school, I'm going to take that youth, that youth pastor job. And then after I do that for a while, I'm going to go into evangelism, and then eventually I'll get my own church. Well, that's fine. If that's what God wants you to do, praise the Lord. But just because that was somebody else's path doesn't mean that should be your path. Just because someone else is called into the mission field does not mean that you are called into the mission field. Your mission field may be the job that you work at. Friend that's listening, a preacher that's listening, God may have a church for you to pastor, but it may be another 15 years before you get that church because God has some training for you to go through better you put your trust in God than rush the process, put your eyes on man, look at what others are doing, try to compete with them, chase after status, chase after uh, the opinion of others and satisfying others rather than putting your trust in God. That's a good question for all of us. Do you really trust in the Lord? Where is he leading you? When we look at the life of of Abram here, the call of Abram, Abram's call in Genesis chapter 12, we see the trust that he puts in God in the first eight verses. And then we see the trials. We're going to start out here in verse number nine. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there For the famine was grievous in the land, and it came to pass, when he was come near into Egypt, that he said unto Sarah his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister." that it may be well with me for thy sake and my soul shall live because of thee and it came to pass when Abram was coming to Egypt the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair the princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh and the women and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house and he entreated Abram well for her sake And he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidst thou she is my sister, so I might have taken her to me to wife? Now, therefore, behold thy wife, take her, and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away, and his wife, and all that he had. Now, notice something here. Genesis chapter 12, verse 9. And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south, and there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land notice something god does not tell abram to do this trust in the lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding here is where abram leans on his own understanding and he backslides abram steps out by faith he put his trust in god God confirms where he is, where he should be. He builds an altar. He pitched his tent. Then what happens? He keeps going. Bethel means the house of God. Heah there means a heap of ruin. Abraham, Abram, rather, found the house of God. But for whatever reason, friend, he kept going to a heap of ruin. And boy, is that what he found. A famine hit. So Abram goes down to Egypt. And, and, and what comes next? Tell you what comes next, lies, deceit. What did God originally say to Abram when he called him? In Genesis 12, verse two, and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. Look what the Bible says in Genesis 12, verse 17, and the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this that thou hast done unto me? Friend, God did not call Abram out of Ur, out of sin, and set him apart to have him go in his own direction, be rebellious, and then plague the house of Pharaoh. God called Abram to be a blessing, child of God. God did not call you to be a home wrecker." God did not call you to sow discord in his house. God did not call you to be a stumbling block. God did not call you to uh, live a life of deceit and backsliding. We'll take this even further. God did not call you uh, to sit in the seat of the scornful and make fun of sinners and argue and fuss and fight and talk to people uh, and be arrogant and talk down to people. And and wag your head at them and laugh at them and scoff at them. And God did not call you into that. Friends, God called us out of sin. Sin. God called us uh to, to be saved so He can a um so we can make things right with him, but God saved us for service. God saved us so we can continue in fellowship. God did not call Abram out of the Ur of the Chaldees, just so he could go into Egypt and have a plague in the house of Pharaoh. That's not why God called Abram. But Abram backslid. He rebelled. He leaned into his own understanding and what happened. He brings heartache. He brings deceit. He brings lying, so on and so forth. And he's heard his testimony. uh, Pharaoh said, man, I, I want you out of here. Leave. Go. He wants nothing to do with Abram. Here's a man God called to be a blessing. And Pharaoh says, I want you out. I want you gone. He brought nothing but a plague with him because he disobeyed God. It's very important that we understand something. When we wander from place to place and cause trouble wherever we go, that is not God. That is us living in the flesh. Very important that we understand that. We're here in Genesis chapter number 12. I'm going to come up here on chapter number 13. We're going to continue this story here uh, with the friend of God, the life of Abraham. Until next time, may the Lord bless you. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. Thank you for listening to Preach the Word with Brother Dean Carmichael from Greensboro. You can email Brother Dean Preach the Word 87 at Outlook.com. Preach the Word 87 at Outlook.com. You also can follow our dear friend Brother Dean Carmichael on Facebook. facebook Facebook.com forward slash Dean Carmichael Jr.